This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where right now summer favorites are there. I'm talking about the Oregon Star Seedless Tomatoes. If you're making those Caprice salads, it's the perfect match. Uh, local stone fruit, we're talking peaches, nectarines, cherries, and of course, Zupan's Fresh Stretch Mozzarella. Am Did I saying ever? that right? Mozzarella. There you go. It depends on where you're coming from. Certainly. Uh, pair that up with t- the tomatoes we were just talking about, or the peaches, or balsamic. Oh, so good. And also, um, Eleanor, our dear friend over at uh, Zupans, mentioned to me their colossal scallops. They're dry-packed and flown in fresh. They're the biggest in town. So if you like scallops, you want to get over to Zupans um, and plan your summer dinner around those. Um, and their seafood mm-hmm. and their meat departments are fantastic. If you've never been to Zupans, you have to go. You're missing out because you're, you're talking about food. They also have a great floral design center, and now they've paired up their floral design with wine classes taking place at the Burnside location. Uh, the last Saturday of July and August from 7 to 9, you can get full details on that online at zoopans.com. Right, and then down in Lake Oswego, they now have former Nel Centro and Pazzo chef John Eisenhart, the Zupan chef, and there's one last dinner available August 18th, it's a Hawaiian-style pig roast, so he's running the show there now, and, you know, they all sold out pretty quickly this year mm-hmm. with him at the helm, and so I suggest you get on that as you're going to zupans.com and checking out that news feed to get uh, those emails that give you some good deals every week. Yep. Uh, check out that dinner as well. Three locations, McAdam, Burnside, and Lake Grove, and as you mentioned, always, zupans.com. It is Wuh-Roo. I like that. That was a good you, you, Thank you. That's that's the way I uh, warm up before I'm about to go on the air, but it's typically not the way I warm up to start a podcast intro, which we record ahead of time, so these things can be perfect, but if you tune into them regularly, uh, often- What is, what is the definition of perfect? That's true. It's, it's all in the eye of the beholder. And the ear. Exactly. In this case, it's the ear of the be- beholder. Yeah. Uh, behold the podcast. Behold the podcast that is called Right at the Fork, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. Uh, that guy over there is Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm pointing back to the guy with the fish hat, mm-hmm. um, Court Johnson of Kink.fm. Yeah. And, of course, of the podcast. Four, right and, a- four and a half years, over four and a half years. Yeah. You know, we were, we're in this to almost say we have a legacy. Yes, for the we're in this for the long haul. Yeah, um, and a lot of podcasts have come and gone. They have. Well, this is uh, sustained. It's because we have great guests. We do, and then today's guest is uh, no exception to, to that rule. Uh, before we let's quack quickly. Let's before we get to our in- guest because uh, he's got a great accent. But there's another ac- place where you can go for a gr- uh, another great accent, which is your upcoming PFA, right? Yeah, Proud pr- Mary. Proud Mary, August twenty third. Their first dinner that they'll be doing, and uh, it's if you've been there, if anybody's been there for breakfast or brunch or lunch, uh, or for just coffee, it's going to be quite fun because mm-hmm. they're going to they want to they want to shine for dinner. They haven't done one yet. And uh, we have a pretty cool event there. August 23rd, go to uh, PortlandFoodAdventures.com. Certainly something completely unique that you can't get any other day of the week. No, and again, when I say these things, I am well aware 
that it sounds self-serving no. to talk about my events, but I view them as pu- public service announcements because I've been. This would be event number seventy-three coming up. Nice. And I really haven't. I'm sure there may be someone out there who didn't comment, but I've never heard a complaint. People enjoy these collaborative events. Yeah. So uh, at this one, we'll be serving some Australian wine and. Um, if you haven't been to a PFA, come. If you have, you'll know why you want to come. Right. And this would be a great one to kick it off, you know, if it is your first time. Absolutely. And it completes uh, eight full years of doing Portland Food Adventures events where we started when there weren't really a lot of events no. out there. So from uh, from an Australian accent to, uh, I, for, I actually sat in here for the longest time because I, I wasn't sure where Riley was from. I was, I was hearing what I thought might have been the remnants of an Irish accent. But right. he, but uh, Riley grew up in London, right? Well, that's where he was born. He yeah. moved around quite a bit. But you can listen. You can to say his last name. I don't even want to. Uh, try. it's not that tough. It's, Riley it's tough for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to see some real challenging ones. Right. You want to go? Let's let's nah. form. But his, uh, you can listen to him for a while and not hear that accent, and then then all of a sudden you can listen to it and go, yeah, that's yeah. a no, solid. We, we walked from the front lobby up here, and I'm talking to him, and then when we sat down, and then I'm like, oh, what? Oh, wait a minute. He's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of presence. Yeah. You don't see him here on the podcast, obviously, but uh, as you said, he's six two. But he's, I felt like he was he's he's got more pr- he's got more presence than most people. I would think were six two. An amazing posture, as you're going to hear at the he, beginning of the show. Good posture. Yeah. He's a fun guy. He's traveled around the world, as he tells uh, tells us. He's lived in thirty different residences, and I don't think I've lived in that many. And I'm quite a bit older than he is. Have you mm-hmm. ever counted the number of res- resonances and cars that you've had and, and cell phones? I've done that. No, I've, I, I have not. I don't you've know even counted car- your cell phone? Yeah. Cell phone. And computers. Wow. Back to 1987 uh, or 88, first computer. Man, so, it, it, I'd have to do, I'll have to do that one day. So I'd I thought- bore people trying to do it right now. No, it, it would take. Volkswagen Fox, my Volkswagen Beetle. Exactly. What yeah. was your first? The first was a VW. The first Fox? one that was my very own. It was a shared vehicle with all my family. It was a was a 1989 Volkswagen Fox wagon. Wow. Uh, do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah, they had the wagons, and they also had the. They were like the uh, younger brother slash sister of the Jetta. Right. They didn't but have there that high. Bu- a, then it became an Audi. The Audi Fox. Yeah. Oh, the, oh really? Yeah. Well, you, if you, I know you're my, the Volkswagen guy. Well, and the, I'm not the Volkswagen guy, but you, I had a, more. I had a lot. Yeah. I started with a the 69 bug. People are listening to this going, what, what are we What is this? But You've anyway, got right at it the was fork in, the auto show. Right. It was in, it, it was interesting that Riley when I first met him, when I asked him about his life, yeah. one of the first things he said is I've lived in 30 different places. So that's something that he's obviously counted and it makes him who he is as but, he points yeah. out on the podcast. So mm-hmm. that's to come full circle for the people who've already tuned out. Right. Come back. Yes, please. Come back. Please do. <laughs> and listen to this. Right at the Fork, it's proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with the delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans, on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Hospitality Group. 
Owned by the Peterson family for nearly 75 years, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape. And Ringside Fish House, in the heart of downtown, boasts the freshest seafood and an exceptional wine list. Both serve the world-famous onion rings that James Beard claimed to be the best he's ever had. Visit ringsidesteakhouse.com and ringsidefishhouse.com and make a reservation today. Join right at the Four Coast Chris Angeles for once-in-a-lifetime trips this fall to eat and sip your way through Sicily, Mexico City, and PFA's famous trip with Italo chef Jose Chesa to Barcelona. See the exciting itineraries at portlandfoodadventures.com and find Chris's contact information there too. If you love food and travel, these trips are for you. And make sure to check in on local PFA events. And by San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh, sparkling water with extraordinary Italian heritage is a refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its founding in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. So it's nice for you to it's nice of you to come in. I just saw you a week ago at a chef competition, kind of an exhibition. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? By the way, this was a thing that Lux Magazine puts on its standard TV and appliance, and uh, it's a you know it's an exhibition. It's fun. Um, it's really nice to get out of the kitchen for the day. Any excuse to do something to a, a, to disrupt the norm, I feel like, is uh, quite welcomed. And yeah, it's 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 nice to cook in front of people, and it's nice to cook with people that. Um, well, you know, it's the team. It's a team of, of people that definitely don't cook for a living. So it's fun to um, you know share your experience. They have lots of questions. They're always really. Eager, you look like you're having a good time. Yeah, I enjoy myself. Had a couple of vodka tonics. <laughs> It was good. It was good. So is that your drink, vodka tonic? I like to drink pretty much most things, honestly. Um, I like, I do like liquor, though. I'm not much of, I, I've drank enough beer that I've, you know, developed my little beer, my little beer belly. So I'm, uh, I like to have like a vodka tonic the other night. It's nice. Or a Fernet. I like Fernet. And so you've got a nice bar at Quaintrell. We do have a nice bar at Quaintrell. So there have to be some, there's some pretty good cocktails there. You know, I never get a cocktail when I'm done with work. I never do. I, I should. I should take advantage of it. Camille's very talented. I just, um, I prefer for the uh, straight and easing. I have a nice tequila, a nice whisking, a nice fernet. And that's it. And that's about it. That, that makes me pretty happy. And then home. How and far, then, how long, a, how long, a, uh, how far away do you live? 10 minutes. Nice and close. I'm up in North Portland, uh, near Kenton. Are you a car guy or a, uh... You know, I just got my bike nicked. Uh, so I was biking uh, until some, a uh, devious individual decided to um, lift me of my cycle. Um, but uh, I would like to start cycling again soon, so I have been driving. It makes me feel, um, well, I, I don't know. I, I wish I could rely on public transportation more. Unfortunately, it's just not quite quick enough. So, yes, I drive at the moment. Yeah, it's a little faster to drive, especially if you're not getting on the highways. Especially here. if you're in North Portland. North Portland's not quite that savvy with the old uh, with everything so far. Uh, on its really? way, though. On its way. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's doing good. It's doing all right. But it's, uh, I did the mass transit thing when my car was being worked on a couple of weeks ago. I've never been a mass... Tr- I, I, you know, I live in Manzanita, too, and I've always loved cars. Yeah, there you go. And to get downtown, it was okay, because, you know, you just step on the bus, but it was a... Instead of a 10, 15 minute ride, it was 45 minutes and, yep. and even longer going back. So how long have you been at Quaintrell now? Two months. Two months. About that, yeah. 
And uh, that was a, a you, you were at DOC for how long? Uh, about 18 months. Oh, that's a good period <clears throat> of time. Yeah. And so, was it, as I understand it, you were not necessarily, you weren't pegged from DOC to go to Cointrell. You were looking at some other options. Well, anyway. I was in the process of opening um, a project of mine called Parts and Labor. Oh, that's a cool name. It's another one of those and names. You like it? I, I like it too. You know, some people are like <clears throat> telling me to stray away from the and name, right? Because if because people you know because people like them, but I think parts and labor is um very fitting for a kitchen. Yeah, and, and what we do in there. Um, I think so too. So, yeah. Of those, it's yeah, it seems to make it fits, sense. It fits quite well, especially with the butchery and all that stuff. You know, right? Um, so, you know, I, I was working diligently on opening a place, um, and I was really excited. I had found a spot, et cetera, et cetera. However, you know, f- fiscal reasons, um, it didn't work out. So um, I found Quentrell, and it's uh, been a really good place to land, honestly. So. Well, yeah, it's uh, under Bill. It had done some nice things from its opening to when you came, and it seems to me in the few weeks that you've been there, uh, the press has been pretty good. Everybody seems to like it. What are you doing? What are you, so what are you doing a little differently to move Quintrell in a slightly different direction? Um, what I thought it needed. Uh, so I'll start off by saying that the culinary program there was very good. Mm-hmm. It was very solid. Um, I just could tell by the demographics of the area, by the trend of dining, um, and by the also by the way that I like to go out to eat, which is, you know, um, I just felt like it needed a slight shift um, away from, you know, very appetizer-heavy and very entree-heavy to being more um, of a selection of things that people can share and kind of eat with lots of things on the table and engage in a little more conversation and have it be just... I generally find that to be a more visceral way to dine um, is when you order lots of things and... Uh, I like that. I like that too. Yeah. That's fun. I don't like it. You know, I don't know if I used to be that way, but now having been in Portland, it's hard to go all in on an entree. Yeah. And you want to share it with somebody so I can have some of theirs. I mean, I went out last night with a few folks to OK Omens, which was oh, nice. really nice. And we ordered, oh, must have been six things after we'd already had a full dinner uh, yeah. a few hours later. But it makes it very, it's really nice when you can just have a taste of delicious food and a lot of different things and experiment. I completely agree. So that, that, was, that was the main shift. I mean, uh, in terms of it being um, exceptionally farm to table as it was, that wasn't an easy thing to, I mean, that was an easy thing to continue. All the farmers that um, Bill was using, I was using at DOC as well. Um, and they're all, they're all friends. So um, that was an easy shift. And I also, you know, I really like preparing Seafood, so that was a large shift in the menu uh, planning as well as um, getting a whole bunch of seafood on there, especially at this time of year. This mm-hmm. is the time to do it. So yeah, it's been fun. It's uh, it's been good. So where do you get most of your seafood uh, suppliers from? So if you if you've increased that on the menu, what how do you go about doing that? Um, you just find good purveyors, I think, is the best way to do it. So, I mean, like, my oysters come from Navor Shellfish. Um, he's, I think, one of the best in the game. Doing Travis. That. That's Travis, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then there's people like Cascade Organic or Water Foods, um, and they both have a really great selection of things, and 2xC as well. And they're all um, getting fished in a sustainable manner, which is important to me, is to have an, to have an ethos in this whole 
right this whole thing so so not to get too heavy into Quantrell itself because we want to talk about you but um so are there any specific dishes there that you would suggest to people listening to this podcast now and this is going to be a few weeks from now in early august well, it might be completely different, yeah. but you know. But honestly, just you come, got a favorite seafood dish. Just, that you're I mean, right now we, we're doing whole rockfish, which are really cool mm-hmm. and um, really nice. And we're just kind of giving them a big roast, and it comes with nok chum and a bunch of, you know, herbs and good lemmy veggies. And um, I just put a really nice mussel dish on there with green curry. It's lovely. That might still be on there, but otherwise, I mean, just coming and seeing what's in season. It's 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 hyper seasonal, so mm-hmm. it might all be different. Uh, all right. There might be a couple of things on there that are the same. Um, however. It will all be delicious. So what was your first real chef job? Were you making the menu decisions like you are now? Hmm. I would say um, Jen's Garden and Sisters, Oregon. Have you heard of that one? No. It's a tiny house um, with, you know, you walk into a front door and what would be a living room or a dining room has you know, three or four tables in each. Oh, nice. And, it was, um, and, there's, and Sisters is great. Yeah, and it was it's, I mean, it's, it's, it was very much like um, a destination restaurant for sure. Um, it was like a three, six, or nine course briefing. Um, and how'd you find yourself there in Sisters, Oregon? Because you well, you've I wasn't. I was. World. I'm I'm curious about your journey and how you I, got. I, when I moved food. to the when I moved to the West Coast, I moved to a small ski town because I wanted to be a ski bum, which I was. I was good at it too. But I, you know, still had to do restaurant stuff, you know, I obviously had to work still. So when I was in Sun Valley, Idaho, um, I was the sous chef of the opening of a restaurant called The Cornerstone, and we really pushed the envelope for what was found in ski towns at that point in time, and, um, you know, like what, flying and fish. What made, what's indigenous to a ski town? Um, in terms of people that live there? No, what kind of food uh, appeals well, to people in a ski, in a ski you town? You know, honestly, I feel like ski town food is, 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 pretty, is pretty blah, um, but we were definitely doing a lot of, you are probably trying to make it not blah. Exactly, yeah. You know, we were uh, flying in tuna from Hawaii, and when that was what you had to do, and lots of raw fish, lots of things that weren't mountain not meat and potatoes, you know, mm-hmm. a little. Uh, and then lots of, that was, especially at that point in time, I was cooking significantly more Frenchy food and European food. And you have a French background. I, I mean, do. You spent and a lot I, of But time I've there. definitely, I feel like I've really done a big 180 in the last... I'd say five years that I've like come into my, what I consider like coming into my own as a chef and a couple of other like life reasons. Um, I stopped cooking French food. Traditional French food or just a different? I mean, or just French food in general, just the, or the use of, um, uses of overuse of butter and, you know, uh, like hyper rich pan sauces and, and just uh, relying on, my flavor carrying to be something different, you know, in the form of olive oil and fish sauces. And, you know, I love, I love cultura de leche, that um, Italian fish sauce. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's been nice to, um, to, I feel like evolve as an individual and as a chef into where I am now, which is not cooking food from any descript area. It's just what I've, what I want to make. And I don't have, I didn't go to culinary school, so I don't feel like I have this, I don't feel like I have any rules that I have to follow or anything like that. I just do what, um, you know, makes sense to me. So you've been all over the world. What, what, how, how did your life evolve so that you, you know, had the ability, you told me you had, uh, you lived in 30 different dwellings. 
I've had, that's you know, which I think sometimes is unfortunate if you think about that. But it's it's like I've had a lot of places that I've called home. The traveling element is definitely what has shaped my made me into a, a chef. Um, I was a pre med psychology student when I went to university. I where'd you go to university? I started at Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina, and then I went to NC State University. Oh, all. so United States education. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was in boarding school in New York before that. What school? Uh, it's called the Family Foundation School. It's no longer there. It's a little boarding school in the middle of the Catskill Mountains. That's its own. That's its own story. We can get to it at some point. But um, mm -hmm. I love the boarding. The, all the boarding school stories are pretty interesting because a lot's going on there. Yeah. Generally, in my town where I grew up, a lot of the kids were sent to boarding school. Who, uh, yeah, generally it was families of means, right? It costs cost some money to go there, but it was also because um, you know this is a better education than the public school education, and more shit was going down at the boarding school at boarding schools. Well, there was a lot of stuff going on in our public school, but I, I went. I actually went to my boarding school was um, slightly correctional. <laughs> okay, and what is a good way to so let's it. go backwards. What caused that to happen? You know, I was just a, I was just a bloody troublemaker, honestly. Like, you know, my uh, dad was in Atlantic Ocean away, and I was living with my mom, and I just raised hell. I don't know what was wrong with me. I, I assume that I get some of this like some sort of retribution when my children are teenagers. But um, how old are your kids? Seven and five, or, or actually oh, six, are, six and eight. Actually, I take that. Those back. are some. No, those are good ages. That's when they're coming, come into the. That's when they're stage. establishing independence and like establishing you know, independence, but they're you're, they're out of the really really. All, all day monitoring stage. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, they totally can deal with themselves. They're but good. you know, it's not always karmic with kids because kids are very different. They may be like you, they may not. My kids didn't get any. I got in trouble. I mean, to a certain degree, I was never in terrible trouble. But yeah. they were pretty well behaved kids compar comparatively. I was always wishing they'd get in a little. Well, not wishing, but wondering when it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I just. At some for, for a few years there, like I just made terrible decisions. Is a good way to describe it. So, what was the what's the worst consequence of one of your worst decisions? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, honestly, like I would say, just all, all, all them cumulatively uh, making it so I went to this boarding school. Honestly, oh okay, because um, it was a, a very long, arduous experience. But it made me. It it, it was actually you know really good in retrospect because um, academics were very good. Um, and the athletic program was also very good. And so what kind of sports did you do? I play football or soccer, um, and I also play basketball. And I was able to utilize both of those things um, to get me a little bit of money at Guilford College in Greensboro. Oh, nice. And you're t how tall are you? You're pretty I'm, I'm small. I'm only 16. I'm, 16? A, I'm a scrappy point guard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> in relation to me, I'm looking way up to you. So you seem like a tall guy to me. But that was, it was important, that was, you know. Um, my mom was sick my senior year of ca with cancer. So, like, oh, I, that kept me out of trouble, you know. I was a solid athlete, and I tried hard at school, all that good stuff, mm -hmm. you know. Well, that's good, especially yeah. your senior year. That's yeah, usually that's when you're calling it in. Yeah. Uh, at least I was, so, um, well, that's good. So, um so prep school and then you, then to university, which we well, and then it was that was really on and off. At that point in time, I really started the whole my whole nomadic lifestyle, where um, I would go to Europe for a few months. I'd go to stay with my dad in London, and then um, by that point in time, we had acquired this 
uh, tiny house in the south of France that was, you know, pretty um, very basic to say the least. But um, it was a really good place to go, like camp out and you know decide what I want to do with my life. I guess it's a good way. And geographically, it was well, it was nicely located. You're not too far from Barcelona. Super there. close to Barcelona. Spent a lot of time in Montpellier. Or how, what's the Perpignan? And it was it's mm -hmm. close town, close to it. And Toulouse is close to it, and the, it's on the beach, and it's it's just lovely. It's a lifestyle that I will soon live myself in 15, 20 years, I think. Oh, well, that's not so soon. It's not so soon, but the kids got to get the kids got to you know do their thing and get big. Um, so, do you want to get back to France? I do, I do, or or, or central or Central America, like back to like Belize, or maybe not Belize necessarily, but um, something along those lines, something um, not in a city, something somewhere where if I don't watch the news, then I won't hear about anything from anybody about what's happening in the rest of the world. Unless I, unless I want to. That's kind of the way I feel out in Manzanita. I could live in Manzanita. Yeah. I could do that. Because you can turn it off, and yep. that's just, just waves, and tune into nature, and uh, it's a nice thing. And so you don't have to go all the way to Belize, or you don't have to go to south of France. It's 90 miles away. The France thing, the, the, the European thing, is there's a, it's a different ethos. It's a different, it's a different everything. It's a different pace of life. But it's... But things are changing there now, too. True. In quite a few ways. You know, Europe, a lot of the world's going through pretty major changes right no, now. Right. And I, I have what I call grass is greener syndrome when it comes to wherever I, wherever I am. But, you know, for the most part, most of my family's in Europe, too. So that's a big draw of a thing. So the grass <clears> is greener <throat> syndrome, I've had experience with that, with people and a little bit of myself. Is that, are, are you happy? Are you very, are you a content man right now? Are you happy? Or are you? Yeah, I, I love Portland. Portland's really good. Okay, good. Um, I think it's. I'm really enjoying that my, you know, kids are being raised here, and you know, um, I love being able to go hike and escape quickly, and I love going to Hood River, and I love going to the beach. I love like Portland. I think is absolutely terrific. Um, and did you land up here? By mistake, because you were in Sisters and and other areas of we Oregon. Just, I was just looking for something different. You know, everything was always. Just kind of moving. So I, when I moved to the West Coast, I'd always ever, I'd only ever lived in cities, and so, you know, living in this tiny town at six thousand feet was, you know, it was it was life changing, honestly. And um, you know, I had a child there, and I decided, you know, I wanted a small town experience. So I moved to Bend, uh, Bend, opened a restaurant, Sorry. and um, so when I when I decided, so I I was doing the restaurant stuff on the East Coast, obviously, and I was the last place I was in Raleigh was life changing. Was was with uh, working with Ashley Christensen. Have you heard of her? No. She's, um, I mean, she's amazing. So she does, obviously you work in a lot of restaurants, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I want to get out of the restaurant industry. You know, you get, it's, it's tiring, it's arduous, it wears on you and all these things. But then sometimes you find a restaurant that functions the way a, a restaurant should properly function. And it's, um, it's contagious. That's what you, that's what I wanted to recreate basically. And it, a lot of it just has to do with, providing a really nice work environment and not like, you know, restaurants have a bad rap sometimes in terms of over drinking or asshole chefs or whatever the situation may be. There's people, people generally using other people for everything they can underpaying them. And, you know, it's just kind of an ugly business sometimes, but it doesn't have to be, you know, a lot of people make it so difficult, but it can actually be, a really fun and really rewarding and um, a really educating environment 
given the opportunity if you have to nurture that thing. Do you think that we're, I, I tend, would tend to believe, and I'm not in a kitchen, so I don't know, but I would tend to believe in Portland it's harder to be, to succeed as an asshole chef and to have those conditions because it's a small town and word gets around. But everywhere is a small town. I mean, even if you're in Manhattan, like Manhattan's small after a while. The restaurant industry in any town is small, but people people get away with it. If you If you produce results and if you've done well, it seems to like it seems to be all right. Right, know? but I would think that in a in a city right now, at least in 2018, oh, you can't get away with diff- it. Yeah, you can't get away with it because it's difficult to find help as it is. So, if you were, you know, a, not you, but if one were a tough chef, um, making conditions difficult, it would be very hard to keep that kitchen going. Totally, and and it's also been the shift in the last. I mean, it's all the people that are my age that came up in that kind of environment that you know, told themselves, well, whenever I get in this position, like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be, you know, an mm-hmm. asshole to everybody. But, um, so there, I feel like there's a lot of people that have gone through that that kind of grew up in a, in a different environment and now have tried to provide something different, which is, which is nice. I mean, it, it's, um, it creates a longevity. And, and in the last year, I think, again, there was another, there's another punch towards that attitude because of me too and a lot of abusive conditions in kitchens that have been going on and were checked for a while and now yeah. it doesn't matter who you are you got to be thinking that could come back to haunt me yeah not at sure. some point unchecked ego is a lot of it yeah ego's uh yeah it's a funny thing i think we've all we, we're all a little more aware of that now than we may have been absolutely. five years ago no, absolutely Our friends at San Pellegrino would like to shine the spotlight on dining and sipping at Noble Rot. Since 2002, the Rot has educated and entertained and fed Portland. Local, national, and international media have consistently praised their style. The restaurant sources some of its bounty from a rooftop garden. And below that, you'll find one of the best views of Portland from any restaurant in the city, looking west on downtown from its perch, near where Burnside meets Sandy Boulevard. Keeping things real and delicious, Noble Rot was a James Beard Award-winning semi-finalist for Best Wine Program in the USA this year, in 2018, and just last year was Willamette Week's pick for Best Portland Wine Bar. A great way to compliment any dish on Noble Rot's exciting menu is with a sparkling bottle of San Pellegrino. Make sure to check out sanpellegrino.com to see where the best chefs in the world recommend you dine, And here in Portland, San Pellegrino suggests you reserve a table soon at Noble Rot. So, do you consider yourself a, um, when you think of yourself, are you, uh, give yourself as a chef first? Or a family man first that happens to be a chef? You know, I would like to say that. Unfortunately, um, the way that life dictates, it's, it's, I've learned where my priorities lay. How about that? That's a good way to describe it. But when it comes to what I do, what fills up most of my time, unfortunately, it's at a restaurant. Uh, it has to be. That's the nature be. of that, that business. But this is where this is where you learn to make to draw the line and make decisions. And you know, there's for years I just kind of accepted that that's how it had to be. And now I don't. Now I make sure that I have three solid nights off with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's anything that needs to happen, if there's any sort of sports game or whatever, whatever it is, like I'm there and I'm involved, and that's just, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. And if if I, I feel like um, I make that clear to my employers, 
and nobody seems to have an issue with that. Like nobody seems to have an issue with me wanting to be a good dad and be you know be around him as much as I can. So that's good. I think that attitude must have to uh, translate over to kitchens as a as the leader of of people. Having having kids has made me so much more patient and acquire things like empathy and sympathy. All these things that. Like, oh, I'm running late because, like, my kid threw up. Like, you know, there was a time before I had kids where I'd be like, well, I don't bloody care. Like, and you get, like, let's go. And uh, But now there's this whole, like, I'm like, yeah, good. You know, give it 30 minutes. Like, take your time. You're good. Everything's all right. And um, it's made me, you know, it's made me a much better person, honestly. And this, this being a chef is, I feel, uh, honestly, very humbling, especially if you run a busy restaurant. Because no matter how prepared you are, no matter what you do, you're always just kind of, like, keeping your mouth above water to breathe. And that in itself is, is very humbling. It's not defeating if you if it, everything's going well, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, sometimes if it's been like a 16-hour one, you can feel defeated, even though you're not. But, yeah. Um, and you just pick it up and do it again the next day. It's hard it work. It's it is, hard work. It is, it is sometimes. I really respect what you do because, and what a lot of people in, who've sat yeah. in that chair do. It's, you, it is very fun, though. Yeah, and you have to love what you do. Yeah, it's really. Like, I mean, no, there's nothing like I. I love like butchering fish and like taking animals apart. Like the, I, all these things are very cathartic and, you know, very. Um, you know, you have to acquire skill to do it. You have to teach yourself something. You have to learn something. Like the the endless evolution, the endless learning that's you is enable that you have when you're a chef is great, and whether that's dealing with different product and making new dishes that you've never made before. But more importantly, I feel like it's like learning how to deal with people uh, and you know being a leader and like you know being a teacher and uh so is that the is that what you feel is the large part of your energy goes towards people rather than it's ever filleting a fish no no i do it's both it's 100 percent both but it's maintaining you know the relationships in the restaurant it's just it's a finely tuned machine so everything everybody has to be finely tuned and there has to be somebody facilitating all those things and making sure all those things, everybody's happy in their space. And when everybody's happy in their little space and everybody produces the best work that they can produce. And that's what the most important thing is, is making the best thing you can make. So what was, uh, I find interesting about where you were before at DOC is the kitchen is really part of the restaurant. Not only do you enter the kitchen, the restaurant through the kitchen, but you're very visible there and it's small. It's right. tiny, and and you have to talk to everybody, which I really like, you know, especially. Um, so, do a lot of while you're busy, are you and trying to focus? Is it easy for you to deal with customers coming up and ha- trying to have a conversation with you? I don't mind at all. I think it just depends on. I mean, you have to expect it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I like being social and having conversations with people. And if I'm busy, like it's just it's just cooking food. Cooking food is kind of easy at this point in time. See, it's not even the cooking food. That's part. what I respect. And again, I'm not the benchmark, but I can't multitask. Don't talk to me while I'm cooking. <laughs> and so that that's probably why I don't enjoy cooking as much as you do because it's a it's a it's a more passive task mentally. Yeah. No, I get that. I, I would do that. I get that when I go to people's houses and I watch them put stuff together. I'm just like, I can just tell they're making so much effort and trying so hard. I'm just like in my mind. I'm like, mate, like just, just, just relax, you know. Right, but the it's, the thing is, it for causes, me, is, it causes people a lot of stress sometimes. Well, yeah, but if if invariably, if I'm having a conversation, I forget to put something in. 
I'm just not doing it right. I'm not doing it in the right order. I just can't do it. I so, mean, I still do stuff like that sometimes. You just have to pass it off like it never happened. Okay. <laughs> but it's still good. And then you have people in the kitchen to back you up to make sure yeah. that it, you know, it's going to get finished properly. Which is nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice luxury. Yeah, that's good. So, um, so Sisters was the first place where you've really felt in command. Are you still, uh, what is it that you'd like to learn that you're, maybe you don't know. What is it that you'd like to accomplish in the next five years in your life, both personally and in the kitchen? Man, that's a big question right there. So, um, I mean, I would like to do, I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of aspirations, I guess is a good way to describe it. Um, yeah, because you've never sat still. That's why that question for you, I think, is interesting. You can't just be sitting there thinking, this is what I want to do in five years, exactly what you're doing now. I very much, um, at some point in time, would like to work for myself. Um, and that, and whoever that may, that obviously includes people at times, you know, that in terms of partners and investors and all that stuff. But um, I would like to have my, my parts in labor, honestly, um, or something, or something like that, basically. Um, but it's, I mean, honestly, like Crunchyroll is actually perfect for where I am right now. Cause it's, I, what I've done is I've basically transformed that menu into something very similar to parts of labor, which is, which is playful. And I don't want to say barry food by any means, cause it's not barring. Um, but it's, it's food that has like a level of casual. It's, it's fine dining wrapped in a very like unpretentious package. Um, which I think Quintrell, with my limited experience, a few visits there, totally has that. always been. Absolutely. So, um, and so, like, you know, it's just, it just in my mind, it's like a visual a visual space. Um, and then I have, you know, I have a couple of uh, products that I would like to try and get into a grocery store really soon that I'm working on um, with some co-packers, et cetera, et cetera. And then... Um, Can I ask, do you want to talk about those or no? You're, those are... There's a few, I mean, it's, there's a, a, a tahini, like there's a miso tahini, it's kind of like a dressing, basically, mm -hmm. is a good way to describe it, but it's more than that. And then um, there's a ketchup that I did years ago um, when I was in Somali that um, I've been trying to get out for a while. Nice. It's much easier to do off the coattail of a restaurant. So I have a couple of business plans for some restaurants as well. There's a few, there's a whole, I have a whole fleet of things that I'm, uh, was, Trying to get, you know, trying to get done with you, you open parts and labor or you have one asset, then you can kind of move that into, turn that into a few, you know what I mean? So that's, mm -hmm. that's just been the goal for the last couple of years. Um, and then with, um, at Cointrell, you guys are moving into some farming. So yeah, like this, situations. so this is why this place is also like really perfect for me right now is because a lot of the things that I want to do, I'm going to have the ability to do here and the farm's really exciting. Um, Talk a little bit about that, because I got a little preview of it the other night. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to look for a farmer. Um, we have, I believe it's going to be about 20 acres of workable land. Uh, we just planted a bunch of pinot out there, and uh, or just vines in general. Um, so we're going to turn into a little a little farm. All right. So you ha the the company has the land. We have the land. We just have to we just have to make it happen. Right. Which we will do. You know, and I think by next summer. That should be hopefully accomplished. Right, and it should be supplying the restaurant with some of the produce. It'll supply us with, and we'll we'll get to talk about what we want or what I would like. And um, yeah. and so you'll probably learn a bit over the next year, being that close. Yeah, I'm really excited for that with, too. With property in the farm, and you know, probably making some decisions in that area. And also, like I really, um, I really like the winemaker. 
And so hopefully we can do some fun stuff out there in terms of collaboration and dinners and um, there's a kitchen out there and all that good stuff. So I'd really like to... What's the name of it now? Is it... That's Abbey Road Farms. All right. Yeah. yeah it's, we've good, heard... it's a good Beatles album. It's a good Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah, I, re- I was just... Facebook, I came upon... You know how they're big in videos now? Somehow I started watching some Beatles videos and those are coming up now that... Very cool. Well, Be- Beatles music videos. Yeah. Interesting. They're really cool. So it's like the Beatles channel on Facebook and... You know, those rotating videos that just keep coming oh, up. Yes. So they're good. Are you a Beatles fan? I am a Beatles fan. So what what other kind of music? What are you into? I love music. It's a thing. It's yeah. a big thing in my life. I good. grew up in a record industry family. Um, it's, I listen to everything, but I, I do listen to, a, I, li- I listen to a lot of, um, well, at home, um, a lot of things like the Beatles, or um, I listen to quite a lot of classical music. Um I love classical piano. I think it's fantastic. Um, I listen to a lot of electronic music in terms of like housey stuff. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my kind of my cup of tea. Um, and how was your family involved in the music industry? Um, well, my mom worked for Island Records for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and she worked for another one called Criminal Records. She worked for several record companies who in London. The, who were the big uh, acts on Island when she was there? Yeah. Um, well, her and Steve Winwood were BFFs, which is kind of funny. Um, oh. Like this is also pre me, pre pre my uh, my existence. Um, but she knew all the Whalers and Bob Marley quite well, and I mean everybody, everybody that came through. Like she was, she was kind of a a person that people knew about. Um, she hired my dad to do Dire Straits' his first album cover. Oh, really? And that's how they met. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Nuffler Brothers. <laughs> and so. Um, so what was her title? With that I don't know. Uh, Secretary Extraordinaire, Socialite, like something like that. Uh, Back in the early days of, uh, what was the, the series on HBO, Vinyl, I think. Yeah, Except for the, the people- London version of that. So right. she was in London while this was going Okay, cool. Um, that must have been fun to grow up in that. Did you get to go to pretty cool concerts or were you so, doing I mean, backstage well, so, things when you well, were Well, no, kid? so she retired when I was born. But um, I had to stay in touch via people that she had known in the record industry and um, yeah, like I always grew up seeing music and, uh, you know, I have old, my siblings are older. I remember like, you know, being young and, you know, walking around the house and feeling like bass go through my body and being like, I like this, this is a good thing. And then my dad, my dad is just Mr. Records and Mr. Music and. Then what does he do? He's a photographer. Okay. So, so just an hence, art- hence the album covers. Yeah, yeah. Just artsy, artsy, fartsy family. But it's, it was great. Like it was a really, um, it was nice. And how's his business going now? Because he's retired as well. Good. Yeah, his he's, photography's uh, changed quite a bit. Absolutely. As the music industry. I mean, has. everything changes. I mean, like photography, especially, has been really funny and amazing to watch. You know, uh, evolve. But yeah, he lives on a, a boat. He just has been in Amsterdam for last year, and they just oh, slowly nice. trekked back from Amsterdam through Brussels, and then did the. Um, they got to France and they did the crossing, so now they're back in England. But they just have been gallivanting around Europe. I guess is a good way to describe it. Nice, and he has the. He has the house in France? Yeah, that- the little house in France. And so, like, I mean, so we, we bought this house in London that, that I grew up in. And it was, I mean, to say it nicely, like, it was in the hood is the best way to describe it. So we bought it. It was dirt cheap. And then, like, the way that London spreads, like, that was, like, the hot part of town. So when uh, he sold the house, he cashed out pretty good. So he, you know, has, you know, got this nice little boat set up for him to live on. And, you know, the kids are all old enough to not be 
you know, on the boat anymore. So. Have you been hanging out in that boat in Amster- around Amsterdam? I have, that would be awesome because I've nice. been to Amsterdam a few times. That looks like it would be a great thing. Yeah, I think so. I, I spent quite a lot of time in Amsterdam, and um, I love that place. But I have not enjoyed it from the perspective of being on a boat, unfortunately. Soon, then. Oh, well, there's there's so lots of time to yeah, do that. Yeah, there's tons, tons of time. But it is a Dutch barge that they're on. Dutch style barge. It's like a nice, uh, it's like a moving house. It's and really, so they're moving around, or just is it parked? No, it's, 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 they move it around. My dad, my dad captains it. It's pretty funny. Wow. Yeah, that's good. And so is he, are they still married? Is he remarried? What's the... Um, so yeah, it's my, he lives with my stepmom, um, and, mm-hmm. he, and uh, she does food photography. And um, Has she done yours? She had done mine. Come yeah. on, that I would know. be natural. I know, it'd also get me a nice trip over to Europe, too. Is, or have her come over here and shoot your... You got I a know. beautiful restaurant, too, to shoot. Yeah. I think if she comes over, I'd rather not put her to work. I'd rather put her to work grandmothering. Well, she can do both. She might, but it's not real. Well, I shouldn't say that because, you know, my loose photography is different, but it's not, that's not really hard work to come in and shoot unless she wants to do it for a magazine and light it perfectly, but she could have fun with it. I think so. I think so. The the fact that it's your food, I would imagine it would be. It'd be nice. Yeah. It'd be nice for you to come out with some nice photographs on that. So what do you do when you're with your family in the spare in your spare time? Those are interesting ages that your kids are. They're you know you, you're beyond. I think you're beyond that period where you say, "No, we're not even traveling." No, I like traveling. I never, I never, try, I never did that either. Oh, you didn't have well. So well, for just, some I, people, it's like we can't do this anymore. I would thought. I think it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not. It's it's a little hectic, but. That's what's fun about everything, isn't it? Well, I don't know. It's a slightly crazy element. No, there's the um, traveling all the way down the East Coast to get to Disney World and then just have... See, I, well, I don't really enjoy that type of traveling anyway. Like, I mean, like, they've, I've taken them, they've gone to Sun Valley a few times, they've been to Europe once. I mean, it's expensive taking two kids and yourself to Europe. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. It's a bloody, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's a chunk of change. So it hasn't happened as, you know, often as I'd like to. And plus, running restaurants is also not, like, the most... Um, you just can't take big chunks of time off. Uh, so that's been, you know, that is what it is. Right. Um, but you had the negotiating power coming into Quantrell. You, they wanted you, right? So you could have said, I need X period of time. I don't think, I think I could, I think I could take two weeks off and it wouldn't be an issue. Um, which will hopefully happen, hopefully happen this year. I need to get to France. It's been a while since I've been to France. Right. And well, they need, they want you to go to France too, to ex- expand your skills. Your it's a nice recharge. A bit, you exactly. know, but in terms of like, if, if I'm going to go anywhere for culinarily right now, for traveling, I'd like to go to, um, I think Lima would be the, my city of choice and go spend a, a week or two in Peru. That would be great. I think it'd be really fun. Have you been to Paiche? Have you tried that? I haven't, that? Um, but my, one of my uh, line cooks at um, DOC was a sous chef at Paiche and has now gone on to open Casa Zoroya with his mom. Have you heard of Casa Zoroya? No. Oh, it's brand new. I, I may have, but I don't. It's, it's really new. It's, it's up I, in, I heard about a new Peruvian place. It might have been that. That's, that's the one. So um, you should go check that out. And where's that? Um, it's on Lombard. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And Paiche isn't what it was when he was working there. What is it now? Well, he's doing vegan lunches uh, and oh, so okay. forth. So That's different. It's very different. And it's good. But it's vegan delicious. transfers well into Peruvian food. Peruvian right. food is good in the, the, the vegan. Right. And it's right. delicious. It's different. But what he was doing with fish was yep. crazy good. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons you'd like to go to... It is. I really enjoy 
that stuff, like ceviche, stuffish, and mm-hmm. things with chili. Like I love chili. I have a scallop dish on the moment that's not proven, but close to. It. I mean, it's it's an agua chili, and it's um, it's spicy and sweet, and it's got cucumbers and sweet onions and strawberries on it, and it is uh, it's very it's a bowl of summertime, and it's perfect with those scallops. But it's the heat, and it's uh, which is which is nice, heat and the uh, cilantro. Is this your favorite time to cook? You know, I, I mean, I always say it, it isn't. I, I like to say that I, I appreciate every part of the year, but um, yeah, absolutely. This is definitely the best time. I love tomatoes, and I love things like corn and uh, plums and peaches, you know, all these things that are happening now. And I also love what happens, you know, in terms of the ocean at the moment, um, what we have available. I love that. I think albacore are really fun fish to work with, and mm-hmm. they're uh, prominent off the Oregon coast right now, and I love the rockfish. They're really great. Um, you know, in terms of fish it's it's been interesting it's interesting on the pacific compared to the, the atlantic i mean it's just a whole different kettle of fish so no pun intended no pun intended but it, it's been it's also really fun to um expand your repertoire of what you know how to cut up you know you grow up cutting up a bunch of snapper and uh mahi mahi and you know grouper and stuff like that it's an interesting switch to start taking apart halibut and i mean everybody's done salmon everywhere but uh you know it's just different do you get out? Do you get out to the coast much? Have you been in, like? Do you spend any time at Never? You mentioned Never Shelf is. I have been down there a couple of times. I try to go to the coast a decent amount of time in, uh, or times in the summertime. It's a tie between there and Hood River for the day if we do a day trip. Because mm-hmm. I also like going up to Hood River, but um, it's great in the winter too. Because Hood River or the coast? Because I like coast. the coast in the wintertime. That's what I was going to say. You give me the off season beach time. That's when I like to go because it's sure it's desolate and you know I grew up with English rocky beaches with, you know, North Sea cold water. So I don't mind. I'll get in the water in November. I don't care. I want to see that. I'll do it. I do it. I th- do you really have <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, I love it. I think well, I can great. get in in September, October. Actually, November's cheating a little bit because it's a little warmer than it is now. Oh, really? The, yeah, because it has the whole summer to warm up, and then it takes a while for it to chill out or cool out. So I've been known, the only times I've ever actually gone swimming out there is... September, October. Nice. Well, that's that's what I'll do then. But it's not all about, we don't have, you know, we don't have sunbathing beaches. So the fact that you're walking a lot on our beaches, it makes the winter just as appealing, if not more, because you've got, you know, temperatures you don't have to think about. And the town's emptying. That's what I like about it. Yeah. It's kind of like why I like having, you know, restaurant nights off. When you have a restaurant schedule, you never, you never, you always work on a Friday or Saturday, which I personally think is the worst time to go out to eat at a restaurant. So when you have days off like Mondays and Tuesdays, those are the best days to go to a restaurant. Except there are fewer busy. restaurants open on Mondays. That is Mondays. true. That is true. And I've, every time I have a Friday night off, I'm like, yay, a Friday night off. But um, still, it's nicer to go to a restaurant when you have a little more, when you can get a little more attention uh, from the people that are working there and nobody's frantically making everything. You'll find a, you know, you can spend more more attention to detail with everything. You know? Yeah. Well, also, I, I, don't, I tend to not like packed you know, crazy restaurants, although sometimes it has its place. But I, I, I love it when it's on, when it's, there's nothing like a busy restaurant when it's in full swing is a lovely thing. It's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch all the pieces all moving. Right. Um, as, but as long as you can get a seat. See, I don't like to sit there and wait and I watch do, that. I, and then, I, I don't wait. And then do I won't do it. I'll just go somewhere else immediately. Do you have some spots that you like to go that were, uh, in Portland? Yeah. Some of your favorite spots? Um, well, I mean, honestly, this Casa's Royal place is one of my new faves. Um, 
because I really enjoy that style of food. Um, you gonna go back to DOC and try that? I should. Mm-hmm. I should. Um, That's always been one of my favorite my sleepers. Yeah. Um, Honestly, on my on my days off, like I eat a lot of Asian food. Like we always every week, almost we go out to like Fubon or you know or you know just a big. This is not an unusual thing in this in that chair to hear Asian food. Yeah, absolutely. Like so, I, and I've asked this, but I'll ask. I, I love I love Hat Yai. I go to Hat Yai all the time, and I get the spiciest thing I can get there. I was gonna, that's, I'm glad you said that. I don't have to and ask. like yeah, I I love super spicy food. I was just when I was in LA like a month or two ago. I went to Night Market. Have you heard of Night Market? They just came yeah. out with a cookbook. It's a pretty. It's a pretty well known chef. I can't think of his name, but it's like really. Um, Authentic and but playful um, Thai food that's you know super super spicy with a really cool um, natural wine list. Mm-hmm. And I got this larb dish that was, and I was with three vegans, which is great. So I kind of tried to order like the most ridiculous thing, but it was a larb with ground pork and pork liver and pork blood, and this secret sachet of spices that he'd like smuggled back from Thailand. It was the spiciest thing I had eaten in a long time, like in a long time. And it takes a lot. Like my threshold is is high, but I was I was in pain. For about two days. That's interesting. Two for days. Someone who was born in Europe, because Europe is not the hotbed of. Well, I grew up in North London. Like I grew up in a Turkish neighborhood. I like I grew up with Turkish bakeries all around me. Like really amazing, like doner kebabs, mm-hmm. which I still smother with chili sauce. And like London, London is the biggest melting pot. Really? Yeah, you know, you know, absolutely. Like you can think of like Europe having like, especially England, like be like, oh well, it's like slightly boring food, but. It, it was just, until recently it was really never known for its food but like, it always but it always it's always been there mm-hmm. you know, i grew up eating like tons of lebanese food tons of turkish food lots of indian food obviously the indian food's always been like a big thing there um lebanese food i mean you can get absolutely anything you want to and um i think it wasn't really on the list of places to go to because that's not what people were like looking for as a culinary destination people weren't like looking to go to london to go eat ethnic food like you know if you go to france for a vacation you're like ooh, i'm gonna go eat some french food Nobody goes like I'm going to go eat English food, but the destination that what people should have been going there for is for, for the ethnic food, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily British food. But well, Indians a big culture there too. Yeah, that was right. my first real exposure years ago when I went to London to have some great Indian food. It's nice. Yeah, there was one in my neighborhood that he, the chef, had a restaurant across the street from each other. One was vegetarian and one served meat, and they were both heavingly busy every night of the week, slinging just exceptional. Do you get back there often? You know, it's been a few years, honestly, since I've had the kids that slow down a lot. Um, but I need to. My brother lives in that neighborhood still. Oh, good. So well, I, like, you I, have family. You can make it. Yeah, of course. Maybe make I it mean, I'm going to make an effort. I'll go this year. Mitigate the, uh, the flight costs by having family there if, if you're into staying together. No, absolutely. <laughs> well, and once you get to once in the house in France, and it's a free, free, free visit, you know. Right. So we've been talking about that. Let's see. Let's talk and see if we can uh, come up with something fun look at a pfa trip i have you know i'm a small company i do this myself i can only do so many trips but i'd I'll want tell to you go what, to like, I could, it would be such a why f- should we want to go why should people want to come with us because i i, I mean i'm not going to say because of what i can give but like um like i know that area like the back of my hand like my 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 arsenal jersey's hanging in the bar across the street it's been there since you know for 15 years like it's a it'd be an authenticated trip mm-hmm. where we'd be going places that i know are really fun and places like we can go to Barcelona and like all these the the it's endless honestly you and even get, and then you, you get if, down to Ro- Conroca pretty quickly from there right super but, close yeah yeah which would be a how long a drive is that 
Um, it's probably about, it's in Figueres, isn't it? Isn't that where it is? In Girona. In Girona. Girona. So, yeah. so you fly into, the, so that's even closer. That's 45 minutes. Oh, okay. Maybe an hour. Yeah, so that's you literally about jump the same over the Pyrenees from Barcelona. And drop back in. So it's in another 45 minutes to Barcelona. Right. So in, in, in England or Europe, if you're doing the uh, cheap airlines, like Ryanair or something like that, you always fly into Girona, not into Barcelona. It's like the it's a, the sub airport for Barcelona. Wow, oh, it's so cheap to fly around Europe. Oh my gosh! I just ridiculous. got a flight for twenty five bucks. It's from, silly. It's just silly. from Valencia to Bologna, I think. But is that, you know, but it's so, it's so it's more fun to take the train then. It takes a lot longer, but it's so worth yeah. it to like sit there and like you can have a bottle of wine when you're taking the train, which is a nice. I took the train from that region from Nice to Paris. It oh, was nice. really cool. There you go. But completely disorganized. They they double booked my seat so that that was a fun scenario on the train the French, with really not French people with yeah that, with, really with an American sitting in their seat that's good that's, that, a, that's a good that's a good face to a story I, can, <laughs> I know that yeah you've probably seen that before well um, so anything we you want to talk about coming up at uh, Quantrell that we should be looking out for um, well we have um, we just started a music program which is going to be once a month maybe once every other week um, with um Single Malt Trio. It's a couple of guys from Pink Martini um, that are they're all super, super amazingly talented. Oh, that's cool. Um, so that's really fun. That's tonight. Uh, we have a you know we have a wine dinner tonight with uh, Day Wines plus that. So that's um. So that's Thursday nights. It's is that? Th it's Thursday nights, and you know so you can find all this stuff out on um, our Instagram and all that good stuff. Which is uh, Quintrail PDX. Quintrail PDX. There's something strange about. It. Is it the website that says dot co? Am I right about it is, that? It is a dot co. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's so you need to know that. Don't add the M Don't when you're M. looking for it. And yeah, and then just the menu. Like the, there's a, the, it's a, it's worth coming to check out at the moment because there's lots of cool fun food on there. And uh, and where do people find you on Instagram? Just my name, Riley Eckersley. That's easy enough. R Y L E Y. R Y, yeah. Not Irish. Not Irish. Not, not Irish. That's the main. That's the difference in the spelling. Okay. Good to know. Good to have you here. Yeah, it was very nice. I Thank you it. for coming on. This was nice. Uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, take care. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 